stay there just for a minute. I want us, I want us to pray for them. Because they, they just rack their mind all the time and try to, they want to be the best that they can, and they're, they're awesome anyway. But I want, them to pr- want us to pray for them that they'll become more awesome. Amen? Amen. The teens, for this school year that's coming up, just pray for increase, that they'll get to reach teens at school, and Dustin Albee can lead them. So if you would, just, just stretch your hand towards them, symbolic, as you're agreeing with me as we pray for them. Just begin to pray for Dustin Albee, for the youth group at Bethesda. Father, we thank you. Lord, for this couple, Lord, they're so dear and dear to our heart. Lord, we thank you that you have sent them our way. And God, we don't uh, take that lightly. But Lord, we know that they are a gift that you have given us. Lord, I thank you for the teenagers, Lord, that are, their lives have been impacted by Dusty and Albion. God, I just pray over them right now. God, that they would just, that you would increase the effectiveness of their ministry. Lord, that as they reach out, as they touch, and Lord, this summer as they go into the to the uh, housing complexes around Lewis County, Lord, that they would be able to reach those that need to hear about your son Jesus. God, I just pray that you would make them effective in being gospel witnesses for you throughout our county and our surrounding counties. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's awesome. God is good. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 John. 2 John. It's an epistle that uh, John, the revelator, wrote back to a church. Uh, John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote three epistles that it's John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. So he's got a lot of writing in the New Testament. So if you're going to read through the New Testament, you're going to encounter John's uh, encounter with Jesus a lot. You're going you're gonna to see that throughout your New Testament experience. Sure, the Apostle Paul wrote a bunch of the New Testament epistles. Uh, Luke, the physician, also wrote a major portion. And actually, if you count all the words in the New Testament, a lot of people say that Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. But if you count words, Luke, the physician, wrote more words because he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which has a lot of chapters. And then he wrote all of Acts, which has 20-some chapters. And he wrote a lot of words, but John is who we're reading from today. And this is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. And uh, just uh, well wishes from Bethesda towards you. And I, I looked at this verse uh, uh, to get us a, a text for today for the message for fathers. And everybody here, don't just think this is only for dads. It's for everybody that's here present today. If you would, us stand as we're going to read. Start at verse 3. Second John, there's only one chapter in that, uh, in that epistle. It's a couple back from Revelation, so if you get in Revelation, just turn over a few pages, you'll get there. Second John, verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as we have received commandment from the Father. Now I plead with you, lady, not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which you have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for John. Lord, as he wrote down these words so many years ago, Lord, we just pray, pray today that you would make it applicable to our heart and to our lives. 
affect the homes in this room today. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. You can be seated. Thinking about fathers and thinking about Father's Day, I was looking for a verse that kindly uh, give us a picture of what uh, we need to imitate. If we're going to imitate Christ and imitate the Heavenly Father, Jesus said, I can do nothing unless he tells, the Father tells me first to do it. So in our lives, I want us to, as dads and as fathers, to be like that with Jesus. If we want to be like Christ, want to be like Christ Jesus as a dad, then we're going to have to do what the Father did in order for us to be like him. Because if we're like him, we'll do what he did. And as we look, I was looking through scripture and looking for this text, I come across this verse and it's just a, uh, it says it exactly how I want it said and think it needs to be said to fathers today. That there needs to be some attributes or some characteristics or some virtues that we have as fathers, as parents, uh, to the home. Because it's one thing to be a, a, act like a Christian in church, but it's a whole other thing to act like a Christian at home. Amen? We need to be a Christian everywhere we go, whether we're in the car, at our job, at home, at the ball field, wherever we are, we need to be like Christ. We need to be like Jesus. And as I think about this uh, attributes that God portrays towards us, I thought this is what a verse that we need to look at as Christians today, as fathers, that this is what we need to imitate if we're going to imitate Christ. Verse 3, I love it. The first word is grace. Grace. If we say the word grace, what does the word grace mean? And if we find out what it means, actually, how do we live that out? It's one thing to talk about what stuff means in the Bible, but it's a whole other thing to apply it into our lives. So grace, what is grace? Grace is what most uh, pastors or most theologians or most Bible scholars will tell you. If you say, what's the word grace mean? They'll say it's the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor of God. It's unearned. It's unearned. Paul wrote and said that uh, we are saved by the grace of God through faith. We're saved by grace, by the grace of God through faith that we believe in Christ Jesus. So we have to believe that this grace is sufficient for us. That's what God says, my, my grace is sufficient for you. So as we think about the word grace, that it's unearned, it's un, uh, I can't buy grace. So if God gives us grace, this is a word that says this is the three gifts that God gives to us, these words that we're looking at today. One of them is grace. If he gives us that grace, how much, if he gives us grace, we expect grace. Amen? If his word tells us we're going to receive grace, that we need grace for salvation. If you've ever been saved, you've received grace because you've received a gift that is unearned. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn salvation. Got one each time. You can't earn salvation. There, a little bit better. Okay. You can't earn salvation. It's un you can't you can't possess that. And a lot of people think that I'm not clean enough, I'm not good enough for God, and, and I need to clean up my life. If you witness to them, and maybe you reach a David and Becky, if, is that their names, out on, on the thing, they'll think, well, someday when I get my life cleaned up, then I'll come to church. And if you ever go to encountering people and witnessing to people, you're going to encounter this, where the people say, yes, someday when I get things straight, when I get things right, then I'll come to church. I don't want to come as a hypocrite. I don't want to come with this baggage that I've got. Because in our hum humanity, our human minds, we think I've got to be good enough for God before he'll accept me. 
Bible says he loves us while we were yet sinners. He loves you just like you are right now. He's not expecting you to go out and wash up and clean up and quit cussing and quit drinking and quit smoking and quit doing. It, it ain't about quitting stuff. It's about coming to him as you are. Amen. Let him clean you up. And it's, this grace is unearned. You can't earn salvation with God. This is a characteristic of something that God gives to us, a gift he gives to us is grace. And as we receive that grace, it's not about earning it. So it's the same way in your home. If you're a father or grandpa or, or great-grandpa or wherever you fall in that lineage, if you want your home to imitate heaven or be like heaven, it's what Jesus' prayer was. Give us this day or day to pray. You know, and he tells us that, that we are to have heaven here on earth. And as we see that today, that we are imitating God and imitating heaven here on earth in our homes. We want heaven in our homes. We want grace in our homes. What's it like for a dad to give grace? Some people say, well, pray over the food. <laughs> okay, that's, that's pretty graceful. I like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Pray over your food. That's awesome. But that's not giving grace. Giving grace is whenever your child comes up to you and hasn't earned anything, has been pretty much a hoodlum for the past two months, and they want something that you give it to them anyway. They haven't earned it, and I'm not saying to just be a, you know, give all the time. But there's accounts if you want to, if you want to imitate Christ and imitate God, you need to be graceful at times so that they understand some things I get because I didn't earn them. It's because you love me. Amen. Amen? It's a picture of heaven here on earth. So as as God is telling us this, that this is a characteristic of Him that He gives grace even though we don't deserve it. I'm telling you today, as fathers, as dads, give grace to your children whether they deserve it or not. At times in your life, and I'm not telling you to always give them everything they want. The parents should have said amen right there. That would have been awesome. That's a, that's a good time to say an amen. You missed your chance. I'm going to leave it at that. So that's what grace is, is giving when they don't deserve it. They, they don't deserve maybe that present. They don't deserve getting to go to the ball game. They don't deserve getting to go cheer. They don't deserve. But because of your grace, because of your love towards them, that you give it to them anyway, whether they deserve it or not, that gives them a picture that grace is present in our home. That sometimes I get things that I don't deserve. And that way when they become adults and they look up to their Heavenly Father, they know, man, I've messed up three times this week. I've done this, done that, done this. And they begin to think about and their mind begins to roll through why God isn't going to do for this for them. And they just look up and say, Heavenly Father, I know I don't deserve it. But I know you love me. And the Bible says that you give good gifts to your children. And I'm asking today. And when they ask, they receive. Amen? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And if you ask amiss. So whenever we come to God, we must believe that he is the reward of those that diligently seek him. And as we pray and ask God for things in our life, even though we don't deserve it, we sometimes know that he gives us gifts whether we deserve it or not. It's grace. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you need grace. <laughs> now look at the neighbor on the other side that you didn't want to talk to at first and say, no, you need grace in your home. <laughs> your home needs a little bit of grace in it. Amen. Wives, well, that'd be a good time to tell your husband, you know, I deserve some things, even though I don't deserve it, but I, I'm asking anyway. I want this, want that. Go get me a pedicure, manicure, haircut, whatever you want. 
need a permanent it. That's what my great-grandma used to call it. She go get a permanent it. I think it's like a perm, but it's got a lot more things on the end of it. I don't know what that is, but that's what she got. Grandma Opie. Grace, we need it. Mercy, the second word, mercy. If Heavenly Father gives us grace, then it says that he gives us mercy. What is mercy? How is mercy different than grace? Grace is not getting or getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Amen. I'm glad God don't give me what I deserve. Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, if, if I got what I deserve, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So if I sin against God, I deserve death. But His mercy covers my sin, and now I don't get the death that I deserve. And the verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, he gives us a gift of God. Even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. So that's mercy. That's a picture of mercy. I have to have mercy in my life. Amen? I want to get some things I don't deserve, and I definitely don't want what I do deserve. Amen. This is humanity. This is the very picture of what the scripture is all about that God tried to show us. That as humans, if you ask for this knowledge, that Adam and Eve went over and took off that tree when they took a knowledge of sin of good and evil, they're always going to pick evil. You know why? Because they got a knowledge of it now. Before that, they didn't do evil. They didn't mess up. They didn't say no. I loved it this little morning, little lamb sitting there in the in the. In the Brandon's arms, and he walked up, and Brandon's telling me, you know, we want to dedicate little Liam here real soon. He's seven months old today. It's, a, it's an awesome time in his life. And, and I looked at Liam just with a, with a pure heart, and I was Liam, uh, do you want to get uh, dedicated? He's like, no. He can't talk. He can't, he can't do anything, but he already knows this. Why? Because of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's born into us that we just, you don't say no. Parents tell you go clean your room. You no. What? This is a time where you better have some mercy in your home. Amen. Better have some mercy because they deserve when they say no a good busting and go clean your room anyway. Need some mercy today. So this mercy's here, and it's it's a picture that God wants us to not receive what we deserve. Because if I got what I deserved from heaven, I wouldn't get anything other than death. Because that's what I deserved. For the sin that I've created, for the disruption that I've created, for the anxiety, for the fear, for all the things that I've done throughout my life, it just brings on a, a storm. And it brings on this, this storm of just, it, it just overtakes us. But the mercy of God, don't, it, it stops the process of us getting what we do deserve. So if I get a speeding ticket, I'm driving 55 mile an hour through the middle of Vanceburg, and Joe Paul pulls me over and says, hey, man, it's 35. There's a sign back there. Here's your ticket. Okay, get my ticket, right? So I take off down to the courthouse, and I'm just going down there and worrying about it, and I haven't had a ticket in 20-some years, and I go in, and I see, uh, what's his name? It used to be Buddy. Now it's uh, Mark, help me. County attorney, Tom Bertram. I go ahead and see Tom, and Tom, I, I, I 
I was speeding. I was just wasn't thinking. I was driving through, and I had my mind a million different directions, and I, I didn't I, I didn't really realize that I'd already made it into town. And, and he looks at me, and Tom says, well, okay, uh, I see your record, and you haven't done anything for a long time. If you, if you go to driving school and, and pay the court cost of $100 or whatever it is, then, then I'll just take it off your record. You know what that is? That's mercy. I need mercy. I'm pleading mercy. And Tom sometimes allow it. Sometimes they won't. But it's totally up to them. They're sitting in the seat of judgment. That's what God is. He's sitting in the seat of judgment. He can judge you right or wrong. And sure, it probably it makes the cops mad when that happens. Am I right, Mark? If you go out there and you do your job and you pull people over and give them a ticket and then they go down and get out of it with Tom, it's like, Tom, I give them a ticket because they deserve it. They deserve the ticket. They deserve to pay the fine. They ought to learn a lesson and slow down. And then the judge, who has the power, says, ah, just give them mercy. Sometimes that aggravates us. Amen? As humans, sometimes we want karma to kick in. Amen? Somebody does us bad. Somebody does something wrong against us and treats us this way or that way and it's all this bad stuff. It's like, man, I can't wait till karma gets them. Am I telling the truth? I'm wishing karma to kick in real soon because they deserve to happen to them what they've done to me. Amen? That's the way we are as humans. But because of God's mercy, they don't get what they deserve sometimes. Why? Because God gives mercy. The Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. Every morning you wake up, His mercy is sitting there waiting to have more mercy in your life, that it's new today, it's fresh today. I, I don't have to depend on yesterday's mercy. I've got mercy today. Amen. I need mercy today. I need mercy every morning of my life. And I'm sure when the kids got back from kids' camp and they're telling the parents what all happened and God did this and God did this and we prayed and, and we helped these people and all this and then the next day they act like hoodlums. Amen? That's the point when you have to have mercy. Don't give them what they deserve. Please, parents, please, Dad. If we want to imitate Christ, if we want to be like our Heavenly Father, if we want to be like Jesus, we're going to have grace and we're going to have mercy. If you want to be a good dad in your home and raise children to be like godly people, you better have these two traits in those kids. And they better know sometimes I deserve a good busting, but because my daddy's merciful, he'll sit down and have a talk with me rather than busting. Amen. Amen. Heartfelt. I'm not talking about every time. I'm saying sometimes just sit down and say, I'd rather talk about it this time than bust it. I'd rather talk about it this time than ground you. Because I'm wanting you to see mercy. I'm wanting to teach you about mercy. And tell them about these principles. Talk about it to your kids. It'll change your home. Amen. I love the third word. No, not the third word, the fourth word, sorry. But the and, I'm just taking that out. I'm scratching through that one. Grace, mercy, and peace. Peace. Wouldn't you love to have a home filled with peace? How about it, dads? Wouldn't you love your home just to, to be an absolute peace-filled home? Can you imagine, Mr. Gifford, just uh, going in the house and it's just like, man, this is peaceful. This is awesome. 
It feels like I'm floating on a cloud here. How many feels that way every time you walk through the door? Kids are screaming. Mama's hollering. These kids have been hoodlums all day, and you're going to have to show them something. Right, Jason? But I've just been out there working, trying to fix the car so I can get money to pay the electric. God, give us peace in our homes. The Bible says here that God gives us peace. The Heavenly Father gives us peace. And there's a peace that it just passes all understanding. The scripture talks about, Paul talks about in Philippians, that there's a peace that passes all understanding. And I'll tell you what that peace that passes all understanding is. It's, it's when you're burdened down with sin and you've created turmoil in your life and there's friction and there's just uh, uh, fear that there's everything gripping your heart and you can't make any sense of everything going on and you finally come to this place where you just say, I can't do it anymore. I'm so messed up and my life is such a wreck. I can't do this anymore. And you, you come to a church service or maybe you're listening to a, a service on the radio or somehow you come into this point where you say, God, I need your help. I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. I'm going to give my life to you. I'm tired of trying to fix things because every time I fix it, it messes up worse, and I can't do this anymore. I need your help, God. When you do that, at that moment, I can remember that like yesterday in 1999 in October, walking down to the front of a church and kneeling down and praying, and a bunch of teenagers are the ones that led me to Jesus. I didn't even know the words to say. It was a sad day of my life being 20-some years old and raised in church and born and raised in church my whole life. Had a drug problem. Get drugged to church every week. You know? And I didn't know how to pray. See, sometimes we think our kids know when we haven't really taught them. And sure, Mom would holler up the steps, Pray, Ben. And I'm up there like, Yeah, okay. How do you do that? Just pray. That's easy for you to say. You're a Christian. You know Jesus. He's done something in your heart or something, and you know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Sometimes some of our kids that learn how to pray, the teenagers, they, they pray during their youth group and get in a circle and hold hands and pray for each other and do all this stuff. And the kids come up here, and they'll drop this down, and some of these little kids will stand there. I, I remember Jason and Amy's kids doing this. and stand there praying over the offering. It's awesome that a kid knows how to pray. Sure, there's a fear of being in front of people. Not every kid's going to do it. But does your kid know how to pray? But I remember when I was sitting there praying, and I looked over at that teenager, and Stephen Cogrove's his name, and I looked over at Stephen, and I just, I was a mess. I said, I don't even know what to say. He said, just, just tell God to come in your heart. Clean your heart. Tell him you've given him all your sin. And ask him to forgive you. So that's what I did. When I got up from that altar, it was like a load was completely lifted off my shoulders. And there was a peace over my life. When I drove to church that day, there was a burden. When I left that church that day, there was a peace. That's the peace that passes all understanding. I don't know how. I don't know why. I just know what happens. If you're carrying a burden today, the Bible says all of you that are heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. That's what he's going to give you today. So if you, if you feel burdened down, if you feel distraught as a, as a dad or as a father of your home today, know this, that God will give you peace. 
And talking about peace, I, I love this, that sometimes there's a storm going on and, and in your home, it may be, see, you coming home from work that day and you're like, man, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait for a little hour of peace and you come through the door and all that's going on. Like I said a minute ago, you know, you got to do this and you have to line them out and you have to whoop him and you have to put her in time out and, and you're sitting there and you're like, man, this is a storm. Amy must be guilty of this. She's sitting there fondling her hair, kind of covered up. So when this happens, Father, you walk through the door, Expect peace. Come into your home expecting peace. Amen? There's an expectancy. Things happen when we expect them. And when you walk through the door and the storm's happening anyway, here's the perfect picture I know of in Scripture. One time Jesus was out with his disciples and they set sail and he gets in the boat with them, you know, and he's heading across the Sea of Galilee and, and Jesus just chilling out. You know, he's acting like his heavenly father. He just, they're chilling out. Next thing you know, he's like, well, I just think I'll take a nap. I love naps. That's why I'm so much like Jesus. Jesus took a nap. Hallelujah. In the middle of the day, he's napping. It don't get any better than that. Man, I'm a lot more like Jesus than I thought. So here he is napping, taking a nap, and all his disciples are out there, and they're floating around this boat. And the Bible says a storm comes in, and the winds and waves and thunder and lightning, and it's flashing, and Jesus is down there sleeping. Awesome. So he's sleeping, and the disciples are worrying, oh no, and these are fishermen. These are people that spent their whole life fishing and in boats on this very lake where they're at. And they're thinking, man, this is the end. It's going to toss our boat over. We're going to end up sunk. We're going to drown. We're going to die today. It's awful. Just like the home every day. I'm drowning. I can't get out. The storm's brewing. The enemy's stirring. It seems like nothing ever works. It's all going on, and there's no peace. There's no security. It seems like turmoil is there. Anybody else's home? Am I talking about anybody else or is it just mine? Maybe Jake and Zoe's the only one at Creed said. I don't know. So as this happens, Jesus is laying there sleeping. Finally, one of the disciples goes down and shakes him. Master, don't you care that we're going to perish? Jesus is like, no, I, I got peace. What are you talking about? My heavenly Father's got peace. I got peace. So he wakes up. I can imagine the sleep in his eye, drool running down his mouth, you know. Birds there have air, has a nest, and I don't even have nowhere to lay my head. He starts talking all this stuff, and his disciples are like, We're going to die, and you're talking about all this stuff. What are you doing? And the Bible says that Jesus gets up. I just, I just imagine that. You imagine just sleepy eyed, drool running down his beard, him walking out, stumbling towards the front of the boat. The Bible says he looks up at the storm. He says three words. Peace, be still. And it says instantly that the waves ceased, that the storm rolled back, that the clouds dissipated, no more thunder, no more lightning, no more chaos. With those three words, peace, be still. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. What if God gifted you as a Christian with that much authority? And they was dumbfounded. They said, how can one person, human, have so much control that even the waves of the, sin, of the sea obey him? Imagine having that much authority as a Christian in your home. That when you walk in and chaos is there and everything's erupting and it seems like it's falling apart, the wheels are falling off the bus, that dads... You stand up, be the man of the home, and walk in and say, Peace, be still. 
and everything calls. That's the kind of power, that's the kind of authority that Christ has given us. That you have that authority in your home. And he wants you to imitate him. He wants you to give these gifts just as he's given it to the church. He's asking you dads, you fathers, be the man of the home and ask for peace. Declare it over your home. Shalom is the word in Hebrew. Shalom, peace. Declare it over your home today. Let's if you come. That's what we receive from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Son of the Father in truth and in love. As we think about this, that, that God is telling us today that we have that kind of, uh, that measure of authority as a father of your home. And this message is for everybody. Mothers, you've got the same authority. For God, there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, slave, Jew nor Greek. They're all the same. We're all the same in God. We have the same characteristics and can do what God tells us we can do. I'm telling you today, there can be grace in your home. There can be mercy in your home. There can be peace in your home. And it's not only just about your home. It's about creating your children to be representatives for Jesus. And whenever you raise your kids and you treat them to, to know that grace is there and you teach them to know that there's a mercy available to them and you teach them that peace is available in their home, when they go to school next year, they're not going to go into a classroom where everybody in that classroom has that same kind of home. There's little kids that go home every night have to worry about mommy and daddy fighting and, and beating each other up over who gets the needle. Right here in Lewis County. Any of you guys that work at school, you guys know this to be true. There's little kids that walk in there in December in the middle of a snowstorm and be wearing a pair of flip-flops because mom and daddy didn't say nothing. A lot of times they don't even wear a coat. Sure, there's human resources and we got all the gifts and things and helping at school and, and they'll say it tries to help them and do and send food home with them and all this stuff. But they don't have that environment at home. And it's sad. So whenever you become a dad and become a parent and become a father to your home and imitate this to your children, know this, that they're going to go in the classroom and whenever their little buddy is going through hell at home and begins to talk to them and say, my home Every night is chaos. Every night is hard. I go to bed crying. When your little son can stand there and say, but buddy, there's a God that's got enough grace. There's a God that's got enough mercy. And God can change your life and he can bring peace. We can be an agent for change if we wish sometimes we can do this through our kids because they've learned a lesson from us our homes are the best schools on the planet John Maxwell says in most of his books I've read it several times he says you teach what you know but you reproduce what you are teach what you know but you reproduce what you are I don't want my nieces and nephews acting like me. Amen? I want them to act like God. The only way they'll ever do that is if I act like God when I'm around them. Amen? My little nephew comes over. He's a hoodlum. He don't deserve much. 
But if I give him grace when he comes, he knows it's come from God, not from me. If I give him mercy, he knows that's come from God, not from me. If I tell him that peace is capable and he knows that he can look at my home, there's, my home is a home of peace. I want him to know it's possible. Amen? Won't you stand with me? Father, we thank you for Father's Day. Lord, we thank you for this day and all the people represented here, all the families represented here today. God, I pray that there would just be a grace, that there would be a mercy, and that a supernatural peace would reside in every home present here today. Lord, for those that couldn't make it out today, Lord, I just pray that your word would go forth and it would strengthen those homes that are parts of Bethesda. Lord, for Amy and Earl, they're down on the beach. We ask for traveling mercies for them. God, give them peace while they're there. Let them understand grace and mercy. God, we just are so grateful for everything you're doing in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for the fathers that's here today. Lord, I ask that you let them apply these words in their heart. But Lord, most of all, not only in their heart, but in their home. Let them speak to storms. And let the winds and waves cease at the sounds of the dads in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.